Hello, my name is Jeff, and in this podcast, we're going to explore what it's like, what it takes to become and stay dangerous. I'm going to blend science and spirituality on a quest of becoming the best version of yourself, following in your own footsteps, becoming who you want to be, while I become who I want to be. It's going to be a fun ride, so mount up and come go with me. You know, after my first episode, I had a couple of friends reach out to me. I I obviously, I gave them the initial episode and they're like, becoming dangerous? Why would we want to become dangerous? And um, it obviously seemed to mean something a little bit different to me and, and some of my core group of friends than it did to some others. So I looked it up and I, what I found was interesting. Um, it's an adjective and it, it says able or likely to cause harm or injury or likely to cause problems or to have adverse consequences. Wow, that seemed really negative to me. But at the same time, I did like able to cause harm. And I did have one good friend send me an interview, which I had never seen. It was John Stossel interviewing Jordan Peterson. And, uh, you know, he makes the, Jordan Peterson uh, makes the comment, it's the alternative to being weak. It makes you formidable. He goes on to say that you're not prepared for life unless you have the capacity to be dangerous. You know, he quotes the scripture, the meek shall inherit the earth. And and he goes on to, to talk about how to him and, and the way that he sees it is that you have a sword and it's sheathed and you're powerful, you're formidable and you're peaceful. And the opposite of that is naive, weak, and harmless. And I know I mentioned harmless before, right? Um, I said, you know, if you don't have the capacity, um, because I I had friends tell me I'm I'm peaceful, I'm peaceful. And I, I certainly advocate that, right? I advocate being peaceful. Now, what does that mean to me? You can be peaceful which means you have the capacity to be dangerous. You have the capacity to cause harm and you choose not to. If you don't have the capacity to cause harm, then you're harmless, right? You're going to be tossed about like a dinghy on an ocean and you're going to be at the whim of those men and women that aren't dangerous because they are formidable. You can't bear any responsibility, Jordan goes on to say, if you don't have the capacity to be formidable because you don't have responsibility for your own life. And that's that's my take on it. You know, we 
we teach and we talk a lot about um, you're either at cause or effect in your life. And when you're at cause, you control what happens to you. You get to set your boundaries. You get to hold your boundaries. You actually get to decide what happens to you. You get to make choices. When you're at effect, life controls you. So you control life or life controls you. And when I say life, other events, other people, they control you. And I promise you, there are plenty of people in this world who want to control you. And if you're not dangerous, if you're not able to cause harm, then they will control you at will. And so that is what this is about, right? Finding your own way, setting your own boundaries, being at cause, you choosing, you deciding for you. Not what I want for you. I don't know you, right? And certainly, even if I do know you, I don't get to choose and I don't get to make the choices for you. You need to do that for yourself. And, and quite honestly, you know, that might be nice to be powerful and I get to tell other people what to do, but wow, I, I really don't want that responsibility. Even if I do know you, even if I do think what's best for you, right? Like we've got a whole lot of people in our society today. They think they know what's best for you. They want to spend your money on the things that they want for you. Me? I prefer you to let you keep your money. You decide how you want to spend it. Right? Now we're talking philosophy. I told you we talk guns a lot, right? There's a whole lot of stuff going on right now with gun control. Guns aren't the problem, folks. I don't know how to break it to you. But a gun is just, well, the gun I carry. And 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 I know that the gun manufacturers don't like to hear this. It's plastic, okay? <laughs> they call it all kinds of unique things and it's some phenolic material and it's plastic. It's plastic and metal. And the fact of the matter is it doesn't have a mind of its own. It can't do anything by itself. It only magnifies the intent of the holder. And if a guy goes in and shoots up a school of innocent kids, it's a tragedy. But what's worse is we blame an inanimate object and it doesn't solve anything. We never touch the problem. What causes a young man to go in and want to kill and hurt and maim, right? That's not dangerous. That's weak. The dangerous man picks a fight with an equal opponent, with someone who can fight back. The kids who shoot up at school, they're weak. They're cowards. And somehow our society says they don't bear any responsibility for their actions. Well, wait, I just told you that. That was Jordan Peterson, right? Naive, weak, and harmless. You can't bury, you can't bear any type of responsibility. Is that who you want to be? Do we want a nation of men? And women that are naive, weak, and harmless, if that's what you want, you're going to get what you get. I don't think that's what we want. 
I'll tell you a little bit more about me. I, I had the unique opportunity to do kind of a little bit of a social experiment, if you will, um, there for a while. And, and, and I, I don't even know. I, I, I got to stop and think back to the year that it was. I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I, I had the opportunity to um, be teaching in a college classroom. And at the same time, um, I, I taught for a, a private school. Uh, I, I was substitute teaching at my daughter's school. Um, they were very young. I, I guess I could figure out the, the, the date. You know, my, my older daughter would have, would have been in fourth grade. So I think she was 10 and, and she's 25 now. So 15 years ago. Um, and, and, and the Virginia Tech massacre happened, right? Notice I don't call it a shooting. It wasn't a shooting. I go to a shooting all the time. I love to go shooting, as a matter of fact. It wasn't a shooting. It was a massacre. It was a deranged individual that went in and he massacred a bunch of innocent students. And, you know, I was, I was teaching fifth grade and, and, and the news gets around and, and these fifth grade students are, are like, Mr. Hall, what, what is going on with the world? What, you know, are guns good or bad? They asked the question. And, and I think we were, I, I, if I remember right, we were in the middle of a spelling lesson. And I, I stopped the spelling lesson and, and I realized, um, and, and it's, at this point in time, um, I, I liked guns. I, I liked the Constitution. I liked the Second Amendment. I think there's a reason for it. I think there's a very good reason for it. Um, but I was not a firearms instructor at this point in time. Um, but, you know, I, I stopped the spelling lesson because it was a teachable moment. And I said, you know, let's take a look. You know, what what was going on here? And, um, you know, one of the one of the little girls in class, her dad was a police officer. And so I painted a scenario for the kids. And you know, there's a bad man comes in, wh whatever. At the end of the discussion, this group, and I had a, I, I had a group of fifth grade students, and I, I had one little girl. I, I, I well, you're not gonna. Well, actually, you might know who it is, so you might look it up or whatever. Um, so I, I'll, I'll change her name, but um, her name was Jasmine, and um, and 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 she raised her hand and she was like, Mr. Hall. Guns are neither good nor bad. They just do whatever the person holding them says to do. Right? And, and, and every one of my fifth grade students understood that. They got that. That made sense to them. The person holding the gun is responsible. Personal responsibility. Right? They understood that. I thought that was pretty unique. And, and, and a couple days later, I was teaching a critical thinking class for a local college. And so I ran it by them. And I said, you know, we, we did the whole thing. I said, Let, let's let's take a look. Let's, you know, let's talk about this Virginia Tech thing and this deranged knucklehead who did this horrible thing. And. I had a group of college students and almost every single one of them to the person decided that if the gun didn't exist, that this evil wouldn't have existed, that these people would all be alive, that these people would be okay. And 
it was amazing to me at the time that in the, in the 10 year span, because, uh, you know, fifth grade is, is 11 years old or whatever in, in uh, around that. And then by the time that they're 21 and I've got them in a critical thinking class. So it wasn't even 10 years. It was eight to 10 years. By the time I've got them in a critical thinking class in college. They've absolved themselves and they've absolved everybody else. In that eight year, eight to 10 year span, they now believe that the gun, some inanimate object, is somehow at least partially, if not fully, responsible for evil that exists a piece of plastic and metal. As I sit here, you know, my, my computer is plastic and metal. Why isn't it causing me to do things? And, and, you know, they're like, well, the gun is designed to do harm. And there is. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. I, I, so, you know, and, there, and there's a whole lot of people that would argue this point right now. But the police officer that goes in and, and, and stops a massacre or there's been plenty of people that have stopped it on their own, like concealed carriers. It was that gun designed to hurt. Or was that gun designed to help? I mean, all of my guns are designed to protect me and my family. And they offer zero threat to anybody that doesn't offer me a threat. And so I, I many times I'll, I'll, I'll use some critical thinking skills and I'll, I'll ask somebody, what do you think about guns? And I can tell you that if you think people are bad, if you think that most people are bad and, and more guns are a bad thing, if you think most people are good and they're going to offer you no harm, then guns are a good thing. And so it's amazing to me that in that eight to 10 year span, how school and, and indoctrination changed the thinking of those students. And, and I, I had no idea that I was going to go off on a tangent on um, on gun control and, and guns and, and, and tell that story, actually. Um, but it's it's a unique story. I, I was a uh, I don't know how many people are in that position, that opportunity where they're they're teaching a college class at the the same time that they would be teaching an elementary school class. Right. I can't imagine there's too very many people that do that. Um and so it was a very unique experience for me. And, and, and once again, we'll go back to dangerous. And they'd be like, guns are dangerous. That was, that was the comment that I heard all the time. Guns are dangerous. And, and so we've now assigned a, a personality trait, an adjective, to something that has no personality. That something that to an inanimate object now has some sort of personality, has some sort of energy that it just doesn't have. And I find that interesting. And so that, you know, guns are likely to cause harm or energy or, or injury, sorry, <laughs> energy, likely to cause problems or to have adverse consequences. You know, my experience with guns has been the exact opposite. And I've gotten to know a lot of people that have done a lot of good with guns. And so, admittedly, it's it's in large part 
by your personal experience. And once again, what I find, though, is that we're being controlled because we're increasingly becoming a nation of naive, weak, and harmless people. And we're increasingly being controlled by people who think inanimate objects are dangerous. And if you are naive, weak, and harmless, then you will be controlled. You will be at effect. So how is it? What can I offer to switch this around, to start you on the journey, to start me on the journey of being more dangerous? And I think what I want to do with this one is we're going to start with holding some boundaries. You know, during the recent pandemic or scandemic or however you want to call it, you know, we, we've gotten a lot more information now. We, we realized that we were being lied to and the numbers were all exaggerated and masks don't do anything. And how many people do you know do I know that said, I didn't want to get the jab, but I did it anyway, because my favorite one, <laughs> my favorite one, I didn't want to get the jab because I didn't feel it was safe. I didn't feel I needed it. I felt that it was an experiment, but you know what? I wanted to travel internationally and I didn't want them to be able to control me. And tell me when and where and how I could travel. So I got the jab. And, and, and what was so interesting to me is they're saying it. As they're saying it, they don't even hear it. Right? Like, I didn't want them to, to be able to control me. So I did exactly what they said to do so that they wouldn't be able to control me. I've got a lot of friends who held their held their boundaries. They're like, no, this is not for me. I, I, I've gotten to know a lot of firefighters. I've gotten to know a lot of police officers who said no. A lot of nurses who lost their jobs. They held their boundaries. That, my friends, is dangerous to a government that wants to control you. To an employer that wants to control you. They want to own you. I'll get the jab because I don't want to be controlled. But I'll do something that I don't want to do so that they won't be able to control me. Are you a cause or are you an effect? And it starts for me, and the simplest example I can think of is I was, I was recently... You know, when one of the first words that we learn as a child is the word no. And I was recently at, at Walmart and um, I needed some things. And, and, and you can argue about Walmart all you want. They're the great Satan, whatever. But they they got some stuff and it was convenient. And um, but it's all going to self-checkout now. And I just don't do that. 
right? Like I don't work for Walmart, so why would I check out, right? Um, and if I'm going to work for Walmart, I want the employee discount. I want 20% off. I'll ring myself out all day long if you give me 20% off, right? Or 10% off, whatever. You're going to pay me. If I'm going to work for you, you're going to pay me. And I'm leaving the store. And I and so I go through the cash register. I obviously, they've got one cash register open, so you have to wait in line. And, and everything's on camera now, right? Like they're watching me on camera. And I wait in line for 10 minutes or whatever it was. And, and I get my stuff and I pay for it. I'm walking out the door. And they're like, sir, sir, I need to see your receipt. And I stopped. I, I, I took a stutter step. I didn't really stop, but I took a stutter step. I looked him straight in the eye and I said, no. When was the last time you said no to something that you didn't want to do? Start practicing it. Practice it this week. If somebody says, can you give me a ride to the airport and you don't want to do it, say no. I, you know, and, and tell them, I, I just don't really want to. People aren't used to that. And it doesn't mean that you hate them and it doesn't mean you don't love them and it doesn't mean you don't want to help them. It just means, no, you've got other things to do. Hold your boundaries. It's a lot tougher than it sounds. Have fun this week with that one. All right? Enjoy. I'll talk to you soon.